You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. This is podcast episode number 1086 for the last 20 years. Tim Forbes has worked in sports management business, juggling his passion and his interest with his work. In his book, It's Game Time Somewhere, he goes over how his past experience in over 100 events helped shape his sports entrepreneurship from A to Z. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Much better when the engineer turns your microphone on. Live radio. We'll fix it in post. All right. What made you decide to walk away from that cushy life in corporate America? Uh, I was never born for corporate America. Okay. I grew up uh, just playing sports all the time. And it's funny to think of nowadays because there are sports management programs at virtually every college. Right. Uh, The field didn't exist when I was picking a college. And so uh, I just kind of went into a field that seemed somewhat interesting, financial services, stayed there for about 20 years, and then uh, just had had enough. I, I liked the work, but I didn't, I was not cut out to be a corporate soldier. Okay. So uh, I bit the bullet, made a deal with my, the most supportive wife in America, where you I were work. talking to my wife? <laughs> she, well, they're part of the same club, I'm sure. Uh, Cut from the same cloth. The, yeah, the deal that we made was she wanted to go back to grad school and, and get her MBA, and uh, I had done so at night myself and okay. knew what a grind it was. Right. So I said, how about we make a deal? I will put you through grad school full time if at the end of grad school I'll go into the sports business. I have no idea how I'm going to do that, but right. that was the deal, and uh, it worked out flawlessly. She got her uh, MBA from uh, Babcock School, Babcock School at Wake Forest, mm-hmm. and then I matriculated at the Professional Golfers Career College for a uh, master's, or I'm sorry, an associate's degree in, uh-huh. in uh, golf management. So, tell me that school again. It's the Professional Golfers Career College. It's out in Temecula. It's one of two colleges of its ilk. It's been around for decades, really, and it turns out people that want to work in the golf business. Wow. And so of all the, you've passion for sports, but golf was sort of at the center of that dartboard? Golf was my first real job. I was a caddy. I grew oh, up as wow. a caddy and okay. I used to, uh, you know, ride my bike on Saturday and Sunday morning down to this very Tony country club in my <laughs> decidedly un-Tony hometown. Uh, and I was a caddy, fell in love with everything about the game and, and had always thought it would be great to work in the game. Uh, What's the key to being a good caddy? I was uh, here's why I ask. I was watching the golf tournament this weekend. Right now, Tiger's back, so mm-hmm. the so I'm back because yeah. I want to see if he's going to make it or not. And they showed uh, quite a number of times where the caddies and the golfer were talking and mm-hmm. you know from strategizing together. You know, I know you weren't a caddy at that level, right, but nonetheless, right, right. the people probably take it just as seriously that you were caddying for. Uh, I mean, the joke goes the the key to being a good caddy is to keep up and shut up. But, okay, uh, at that level. Uh, you're, you're a psychologist as much as, in addition to being required to know all the distances down to the foot from every spot on the course to the flag, you've got to be able to read your golfer's, uh, you know, mental state. Right. Keep them focused. Keep them from going sideways if things aren't going so well. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's both a very physical job and a very mental job. Okay. So Caddyshack. A little bit a like that. Are you a fan yeah. of Caddyshack? It's the best sports movie ever made. You think so? It's right up there. Okay, yeah, yeah I was going to say, I, I agree. <laughs> I think it's the most one of the most quoted, right? For sure. And it's and it's it's lasted a long time being relevant. 
Yeah, I yes, it's kind of a an epic for our time. Right, right. Okay, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk <laughs> about you. So you've got this entrepreneurial bug. You worked it out. You were able to go and get a, a degree, an education, a certificate. What did that lead to then for you, Tim? I went into the tour business. I worked for the PGA Tour. I uh, worked for the LPGA Tour uh, at the highest levels of the golf business, which is what I learned really more at the bottom line is an advertising business because uh, really? golf tournaments are content. Right. Uh, they're I mean, you mentioned Tiger Woods. If you just mentioned Tiger Woods on air, you have automatically drawn millions of eyeballs. And it really, at its essence, boils down to that, drying the eyeballs so you can sell the to the advertisers. And it was fun. Don't get me wrong. It was fun, but it wasn't uh, fulfilling. Okay. Why not? Uh, at the end of the day, it really was just creating content as opposed right. to... What I do now, which is I create opportunities for amateur amateur and rising professionals to compete on stages that no one will ever come and watch them play. They're never te- televised. Uh, it's just pure competition is what I do for a living, and I love it. So let's talk a little bit about that. And we're, okay. we're talking with Tim Forbes. He's both the author of It's Game Time Somewhere, and we are going to talk about the book eventually because <laughs> okay. I'm curious about the title and content and how that helped you kind of move forward as an entrepreneur. I love the fact you came from the corporate world, then you became an entrepreneur a little bit later in life, right? 20 years into Very your much so, professional yeah. career, mm-hmm. and you're making it, and you found a niche. So what is the niche that you are developing as an entrepreneur, Tim? It's the niche, and, and, and you are part of the, the legions of people that have a passion for doing athletic things, not necessarily in pursuit of a career or to set records, but just uh, to, to be the best athlete that you can be. Uh, and I know you're part of that that group of people okay and that group of people uh has a will pay for their passion they will pay large entry fees they will travel great distances it is a cottage industry that uh is built based around people doing what they love to do most you know of everything that they do their work their family life uh it's diving into what they do for a passion if it's athletic that's the business i'm in are you focused in one sport mostly golf okay yes and why is that it's my background. I know it okay. really, really well. Okay. From it, the time working yes. with professional golfing. Yes. Okay. And it's a very, very personal relationship-oriented sport. So once you're in and you have those relationships, it's a whole lot easier to, to get new business. Is what you do influenced by how popular professional golf is? I mean, is there any type of a correlation there? The, the only reason why I ask is this Tiger effect. Mm-hmm. As he swelled the audience and then as he cratered the audience, sort of some of the audience went with him. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I'm listening to the to the match this uh, tournament this weekend, and they're saying, "Oh, you know, he he's the favorite for the Masters." I'm thinking, "Wow, you're selling that awful hard because right now he's out of bounds, and That's I don't right, know, right, right, I don't right. know, he's mm-hmm. quite ready for that pressure." But I'm sorry, I got off the off the. Phone. It's okay. Um, you know what I'm saying, though. I mean, again, it's it's content, um, and so that they want Tiger on on camera so that they can sell. It's just. Right. Traditional marketing. But but as the interest in professional golf is now reborn, does that help your business because people are thinking more and they're getting their clubs out? And, and, and it is, does it have a downstream benefit to you when the, when the professional sport is doing well? Not as much as you would think. Okay. That's why I asked the question. Yes. I mean, to me, the sports world, what people think of as sports, is actually two worlds. One I call sportainment, which is... The NBA, the NFL football, PGA Tour golf. You heard it here first. They people you know engage in that by watching it. They're right. not doing anything; they're watching it. Right. Uh, whereas, and I really haven't found the the accurate 
name for the other side of the world. Compreation is the best I can come up with. People that really never watch sports on television, they play. That's okay. how they engage with sports. Okay. And the two, there's some overlap between those two populations, but not as much as you'd expect. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I would think that they would be... They would be. There would mm-hmm. be more of a relationship. So, what does drive the what does drive the business then that way? What is? How do you? Okay, can we hold that question? Of course. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we call a tease here in the radio <laughs> business. But it was unintentional. I was getting into the conversation, and then the engineer says, "Out." So we're going to take a very short thirty second break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about that dynamic. Okay, Tim Forbes. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this word from me. <laughs> If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. All our shows can be heard anytime, any time of the day or night, ladies and gentlemen, on iTunes, on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker.com, hundreds of guests' websites whose CEOs have been on our show. You know, since we started doing this little podcast radio show in 2009, in March of 2009, uh, we've reached hundreds of thousands of listeners through our live stream here on octalkradio.net. And the podcast that I mentioned, we're on YouTube. We're streaming this live right now on the Critical Mass Facebook page. If you'd like to uh, get the regular subscription, just type in Critical Mass Radio Show into your favorite podcasting software, and you'll get our weekly shows with great guests like Tim Forbes, who's an author. He's also an entrepreneur. And during the break, one of our listeners sent us a message and said, Tim, what is it that you do? <laughs> so why don't we skip ahead and we'll come back to okay. the question I had you before the sure. break. What, what is it you do? Uh, my company is called Sports Walkabouts, LLC. And um, uh, I basically I'm a one-man band, but I will interact with other one-man bands to produce sporting events for people who play. Best example is uh, one of my biggest clients is the city of Long Beach. And they have a property called the Long Beach Golf Festival that incorporates seven tournaments into one long season knits them all together so there's a tournament championship tournament for juniors for seniors a men's city championship the women's city championship a match play championship and then it ties up uh, with the uh, second largest independent men's professional event the long beach open wow. so, so i'm the executive director for the long beach golf festival so it's uh, very high quality amateur golf and professional golf at the feeder level and i'm also the tournament director for the long beach women's open which is a professional event on the cactus tour okay and so those are two local southern california examples of the type of work that you do as an entrepreneur are you are you doing it outside of southern california as well 
I will travel sometimes as part of that kind of a group of one-man band to support other people. So I'll go and do uh-huh. some work in, in Phoenix, for example. I'll go and work with the Cactus Tour to help them produce events there as well. Okay. Uh, I also worked with uh, in L.A. a couple of years back when the Special Olympics World Games were in L.A. Mm-hmm. I was part of the organizing committee there okay. um, and put that together. And that had nothing to do with golf, but it's just, it's that is pure love of play. Right. Uh, the Special Olympics participants. Right. Just absolute pure love of play. So let's come back to the Long Beach Festival then. So we probably have people who are listening in Southern California, either live or on the podcast. Um, who would be interested in attending or participating in this event? It's purely participative, other than you know, girlfriends and caddies and parents of, of players. Anybody who loves to play tournament golf. So it's not for somebody who just is, you know, after their weekly foursome just you know hitting around with the not that there's anything wrong with that and that's great for the golf but i'm more of a competitive uh, okay. event guy okay so uh for example the the men's city championship in long beach was first contested in 1926 oh my god and it's been annually contested the women's 1928 wow the very first long very beach progressive open, there in long beach there it, it is the it is an incredibly well-kept secret in right. the world of golf but it is the oldest and longest running series of of competitive amateur and professional events in the country okay and, and you there's a series of tournaments that go on there there are um, the people that play in these tend to be what, what are referred to as scratch golfers. In other words, they have a very, very low handicap or no handicap at all. And oh, so those lucky people. They're, they're out there, you know, 76 is a bad round for them. Wow. Uh, and then we have the senior championship, which is people who used to be that competitive and used to be able to kind of bring that kind of game and okay. now just really love to kind of revisit the competitive arena, really. Okay. So is it? A similar group of people annually, or do you find a turnover in the, in the people that play? How does that work? There's a core group of people that have played year after year after year, um, but there is a significant amount of turnover. There are a lot of really good college golf teams in this area. The, right. the Big West Conference right. has, they're all Division One golfers, and they are uh, kind of outsized. They're, in other sports, the Big West isn't really a key national player, but in golf right. they are. Wow. And so the players that will come through and play for four years at one of the local Big West schools or even UCLA, our, our uh, women's city champion, uh, Lydia Choi, came from UCLA. Hmm. And they may or may not be here, but they tend to move here for four years. And so this is a series of ways for them to own, not only keep sharp during the summer, uh, but also prep for a potential run at a professional career. I was just going to ask you, have yeah. you seen any of those players over the years who've been able to go on and, and last in, as a pro? Because I imagine that's a hard thing to do absolutely uh, as a matter of fact fred couples very first oh, yeah. professional tournament was the long beach open what was known as the queen mary open at the time i love the queen mary in 1980 that was he that was his very first wow. professional tournament uh and then uh, last year's pga tour rookie of the year xander shaffley mm-hmm. he played and he was the amateur champion five or six years ago at the long beach open so what are the critical factors that you have to control to make sure that this is a successful festival for long beach i mean what what is it that makes this work for them bigness <laughs> making them feel as if they are playing on tele on television or right. they are playing in the u.s open creating an environment where they walk on site and the heart starts to beat a little faster because not only is it a competition mm-hmm. But it feels like there's something to this. So how do you do that? Just having been, having worked on tour and, and operations and knowing okay. everything that's out there, we just try to replicate that. Okay. Everything from everything is customized, personalized scorecards. 
Um, you know, we try to make as much of a visual impression as possible right. so, so that when they walk on, it, it, you know, with the banners and the uh, the backdrops behind the tees and the, mm-hmm. the logo tent canopies. So it's all the details, tees, right? All the details, right? Yeah. Correct. Okay. Uh, and then the other part of it is to make it seem like that was ex- incredibly easy to do. It's kind of like that duck floating <laughs> on a pond. Right. If they come in and there's, right. they know exactly where to go and what to do, and it also looks big, then they they completely buy in. They love the event. Okay. And how do you promote this into the marketplace? How do, how do you get people aware of it? Uh, the three courses that we play on are all managed by American Golf Corporation, okay. a management company. Uh, and they have a huge database of um, you know, people who play at not only their local courses, but their courses all over California. So we market through them, and then I also um, meticulously maintain our player database and stay in touch with them all the time mm-hmm. uh, just to remind them, you know, this tournament's coming up and the teasers throughout uh, leading up to the season. And how, when's the season start? Uh, our first tournament is April 4th. That's Holy the cow. Crosby Junior Championships. And the funny thing about that tournament is I, no one knows when it started. It's it's at least 50 years old, but nobody knows when <laughs> nobody it started. Nobody knows the first year? Exactly. Wow. Yeah. No historian there, huh? Every other tournament, you know, I, I know when it started and how right. many years it's been going on. But the Crosby Junior, it was named after uh, Thomas and Lucille Crosby, who were great patrons of junior golf way back in the day. Okay. Uh, they've long since passed, uh, but they set up this tournament. And at the time, junior golf was this was, you know well pre Tiger, right. and junior golf was not something that was available. And so it was the premier junior golf tournament in Southern California for a couple of decades. Okay, and then junior golf really exploded. And now kids have you know, talented junior golfers can play in a num- number of places. And that's your first of seven. First of seven. Then we roll into the uh, the senior amateur championship, and then we go into the match play championship, which has a grueling th- two three day weekends in a row. And wow. the winner will play. Uh, that's a lot of golf. That's a lot of golf for the for the guys that go to the finals. Two two rounds a day on Saturday on on Friday and Saturday of the bracket play, and then the final on Sunday morning. Wow. And then uh, is the women's city championship, and uh, then the men's city championship. And then we have an amateur qualifier for the Long Beach Open. Um, we usually get about 125 guys playing for six spots Whoa. to play as amateurs in the Long Whoa. Beach Open. What great is that, though, but, right? Yeah, you have to shoot 67 to, to get one of those spots or better. <laughs> you mean at any time on the 18 or through all 18? Because I can hit 67, no problem. all 18 holes. Damn, that's yeah. a, that might be a problem for okay. me, man. <laughs> Wow. And where does the funding then come from? For this that's event? the beauty of the the. The, this side of the sports business, people will pay for the opportunity to compete. Okay. okay. So it's primarily user fees, okay. registration fees. Always the I'm I'm a marketer by trade, so I'm always working on sponsorship deals and and ways to to get. Uh, and this is where marketing is very different on the participant side rather than the eyeball side. Okay. Because what you're selling is the opportunity for them to essentially have total access to their best potential clients. Um, so I approach golf companies, golf equipment companies, apparel companies, uh, outdoor lifestyle brands, and I offer them the opportunity to spend 12 weeks every summer as the only company that 1,500 avid golfers will see. Wow. That's that's my pitch. That's to a them. very target niche, right? And it's great because um, it's, it's repeated. Many players play multiple tournaments in the summer, mm-hmm. and it's... It's kind of like the old uh, saying that a round of golf is the four-hour sales call. Exactly. If you spend 12 weeks with people who are avid golfers and you produce a quality golf product, 
they're going to remember who you are. They're going to remember you, right. Absolutely. Right. It, it's it's uh, the right demographic, and it's a personal relationship that you have a chance to build. And it's repetitive, and it's ongoing. And, right. Yeah. Right. Are, th- are there events after the golf day is over for people? Do they- we're doing that for the first time this oh, year. Oh, really? Yeah. We're, we're creating a festival after the festival. So okay. after the final round, um, we are you know, having the big beer tent type of thing. I'm not yeah. s- necessarily would be a beer tent, but that type of... Um, you know, food and drink and uh, joint award ceremonies so that all of the different flights that are playing will be awarded their championships at the same time. Well, I think that'd be great. And then, so it's something that we're doing this year for the first time, and we're really hopeful that it'll really in, indelibly etch the experience into the players' minds. And, and you said spectators not so much unless they're friends and family of the right. players kind of a thing? Exactly. Okay. So it's really the camaraderie of the players that are together, mm-hmm. and it's, you're creating this environment for them to come. That's what I try to do. And the name of it again is? The Long Beach Golf Festival. Okay, so we're going to, um, I've got about three minutes, two minutes, three minutes left with you. I didn't want to not talk about, I do want to talk about, it's game time somewhere. Right, right. What was the inspiration for that? Uh, the Great Recession was the inspiration for that. <laughs> you had time on your hands? I was just starting my business. We had just oh moved back God. out to California from Florida, uh, where I worked in the tour world, but we wanted to live in California. So we moved out to California in terrible timing. So I had a lot of time on my hands, yes. and uh, I had really kind of lost touch with what being a sports fan was like. So uh, I got, long story short, I got uh, sponsored to write a blog to travel around the country for one year, go to 100 different sporting events involving 50 completely different sports, and just offer my observations. Get out of town. And about halfway through the blog, I realized this is a book. Yeah, blog the book. Absolutely. Very common It wasn't strategy. my original plan, but wow. that's the way it worked out. It was genius. So yeah. that's what, it's game time somewhere? Because it's always game time somewhere. That's Some true. sport is going uh, on you know, any moment of any given day. So how many different sports did you get to see? 50. 5-0. 5-0. So, ranging from? Curling, archery, yachting. <laughs> uh, I mean, the curling was great. Actually, I went to the senior Men's Senior Championship, National Championship, and in between there the semifinals, there is such a thing. And in between the semifinals and the finals, they let me down on the, the sheet just to try my hand at it. It's an incredibly difficult sport. Really? Yes. And I had the opportunity to do that with a lot of different sports because uh, synchronized skating, uh, I didn't do, actually do that, but these are sports that are dying for an audience. Yes. And so when I wrote about them, people... Uh, Quick story, when I synchronized skating, I was looking for a follow-up quote for, my, uh, for the book. So I contacted the, uh, the U.S. Organizing Committee for Synchronized Skating, and they knew who I was when I called Holy because God. my blog about their national championship had gone around their community in a heartbeat. <laughs> so it, that's those communities of sport that right. I found over and over again, which is what really made me think, okay, I'm not having so much fun at the NFL game, but I'm really loving the National Lawn Bowls Championship. Okay. So I have to back up now. What is synchronized skating? Synchronized skating is uh, it's where I think there's a dozen on each team, skaters, skating in unison. and Ice skating? Ice skating, yes. Oh, my God. So it's, it's synchronized swimming on ice, essentially. Wow. And I also went to the synchronized swimming national championship, well, I just too. I think that there are these 50 of these kind of sports, and there's probably way more than even 50. I mean, in some I, ways. I would, I would if I had really, really tried it, I probably could have gotten 80 in, but it was just logistics. Right. That. The championships were taking place, and they were overlapping. Uh, but the thing is that all of those small sports, those were the people that were the most passionate about their sports. Did that lead you to this idea? Yeah, they absolutely did. See how life is, huh? It is funny that it's, way, isn't it's it? It's unintended consequences. That's right. It's awesome. If you wouldn't have done that, if you wouldn't have the recession, mm-hmm. right? You, 
The entrepreneurial journey is such an interesting path to take. I agree. You always got to be open to what life gives you as an opportunity, yeah? I mean, you have to be kind of creating your own breaks, yes. but you always yes. got to have good peripheral vision to see when they come along. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could have wrote those blogs and never put the book together. Right. Right? It's just the, or ignored the message that came through and still yes. worked, tried to, to make a go of it in the sportainment world, which really I wasn't well suited for. Right. So let's come back now to the Long Beach Festival. Someone would like to learn more about that, maybe even sign up to play. How do they find it online, Tim Forbes? www.lbgolffestival.com. So Long Beach, LB Golf. lbgolffestival.com. You can register online. All the information is there. It's ridiculously easy to get involved. Okay, so if you have this uh, beer tent, not a beer tent afterwards, can right. the public come to that and, and participate, or is that closed to anybody other than friends um, and family? We haven't really thought through the details okay, well, I'm yet. trying to get an invitation here, Tim. If you can't notice it, buddy, yes. you know, my, my wife and I might want to come up and hang out for a little bit. Then yes, it sounds like invited. fun. Okay, yeah. well, there you go. Uh, the public, not so much, but you and your wife. All right. Thanks for being a friend of the program. This has been a kick in the Oh, pants. my pleasure. I've enjoyed it. I've been looking forward to having you on the show since we first booked you. So this is a great event. I can't wait to learn more about it, and thanks for sharing it. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Paul Roberts, for being the engineer for yet another show here on octalkradio.net. We wouldn't be able to do this show without our three other producers, Crystal Nunley, Joan Park, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, let's start with LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. Our website is criticalmass4forbusiness.com. And since it's not March 29th yet, if you're looking to buy a great book to read about business, my third book is coming out next week on Thursday, March 29th. It's called Killing Cats Leads to Rats. It's about unintended consequences of business decisions and how to control the negative effects of them. I hope you might consider buying a copy. It's going to be available as a paperback, Kindle version, and an audible version for those of you that like to listen to your books. All available next week on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other platforms. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.